Hey, welcome to another episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. Um, this is going to be a special episode because this is the 30th episode and it's going to be the last one for a while as I continue to create ideas and figure out how to move the show forward. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you joined the ride from the beginning and if this is your first time listening, you know, thank you for giving me a shot and for welcoming my voice into your life. So I got your news and gossip ish. And then I have a special look at the WWE draft, um, from Friday and Monday and I've got um, your weekly recap of your shows from last week, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. So, buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Alright, so now I got your news and gossip-ish here. And we're going to start with a pretty dark story, but then hopefully it'll get better um, as we go along. Um, Alberto Del Rio, who used to wrestle for WWE, got indicted on a kidnapping and sexual assault charge. Um, He was arrested on one count of kidnapping and four counts of sexual assault Friday, according to um, News 4SA in San Antonio, Texas. His real name is Jose Alberto Rodriguez Chiquan, and he's alleged to have kidnapped a woman in May. And the woman testified in saying that he um, physically assaulted her, tied her up, and then sexually assaulted her for several hours. And I'm sorry if this triggers any bad memories that you may have had, because I know that this is a terrible subject to address but it has to be addressed because you have to understand that this is wrong um and we fight for anyone who's gone through anything like this um in their lives and pray and wish nothing but healing upon you um the woman also said that del rio became angry after accusing her of infidelity and he allegedly told her that he would take her son and drop him off in the middle of the road somewhere if she didn't put on a dress and dance for him before he allegedly tied her up and gagged her and this is like really scary to hear about but it's not entirely surprising because he's been in trouble with the law plenty of times before and he was also infamously in trouble with the law when he was in a past relationship with um wwe superstar Paige when they were in a relationship and it was just kind of like it was rough but basically he used to work for wwe from 2010 to 2014 and from 2015 2016 um he was a two-time wwe champion and a two-time world heavyweight champion two-time united states champion one-time royal rumble winner and one-time money in the bank winner and he was born into a famous wrestling family and that's just it's just I think that just makes it even sadder it's just the fact that you have so much good about your life but then you sort of turn around and make these horrible decisions to hurt other people because of you know your issues and your control problems but um hopefully this woman has been brought you know has been given some assemblance of justice here and an assemblance of peace as well so um yeah we're just gonna leave him alone and leave him on the crazy tree from now on now in lighter news um w like former wwe women's champion rest and amazing wrestler jazz officially announced her retirement on um an interview that she had with chris van vliet um she discussed the start of her wrestling career and whether or not she should be in the wwe hall of fame 
She announced her retirement by saying, honestly, I just had my last match this past Sunday. I am done in the ring. I was going to do a whole tour in 2020, but with pandemic happening, that screwed everything up. I have been having issues with my knees and my back and a lot more issues physically, mentally, and emotionally. That's why I had to forfeit the NWA title. I have two beautiful daughters and I have to focus on them right now. She also discussed how she met um, her husband, Rodney Mack, who had a, a stint in WWE as well. And if you may or may not remember, um, their manager was Theodore Long, who was also um, one of the best SmackDown general managers that ever existed. <laughs> so she discussed a whole lot on this show. But um, after retiring, after officially retiring, you had a lot of people on social media, you know, wishing her congratulations and wishing her nothing but the best because she did a lot for women's wrestling, especially in terms of black women. Because if you look at if you go back and look at the strength that she embodied and the attitude she embodied, it gives you like mad um it, it's almost like she set the precedent for women like Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, you know, to be, you know, who they are now. And I wish her nothing but the best and give her nothing but respect, you know, in that regard, because black women in wrestling are amazing. Also in the news, we have um, the unfortunate cancellation of the Netflix series Glow. This was exclusively revealed by Deadline.com. Um, the dramedy which stood for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, got canceled after Netflix reversed its renewal decision, um, giving the show its fourth and final season. And this was really sad for me because I really loved Glow because it was just one of those beautiful fictional shows that showed these women, you know, finding their voices and finding what they're good at, you know, during, of course, the 80s, which is also one of my favorite decades um, to look back on and stuff. And these women are sort of finding themselves, you know, through the sport of wrestling in such a way that's just so cool. And it had other storylines that were very unique and important to womanhood, you know, and relationships as well. So it broke my heart to find out that this show, you know, wouldn't be getting a payoff, you know, towards the end. And one of the stars, Kate Nash, who played Britannica, um, posted on Instagram how devastated she was because they had actually bought costumes and they had scripts and everything for this show, you know, once it got canceled. Um, and the creators of the show, Liz Flahive and um, Flahive and Carly Mish stayed said in a statement that a part of the reason why it got canceled was because of the pandemic. And they said, COVID has killed actual humans. It's a national tragedy and it should be our focus. And COVID also apparently took down our show. Netflix has decided not to finish filming the final season of Glow. We were handed the creative freedom to make a complicated comedy about women and tell their stories and wrestle. And now that's gone. There's a lot of bad things happening in the world that are much bigger than this right now. But it still sucks that we don't get to see these 15 women in a frame together again. We'll miss our cast of weirdo clowns and our heroic crew. It was the best job. And it's so sad because there were so many people, including people on the show who were trying to figure out ways to continue the show and keep it going um, outside of Netflix. And I hope they do find a way, even if it 
you know, translates to them making a movie or a miniseries or something. But I'm really sad to see this show, you know, go. And it was also really cool for me as a wrestling fan to see people who I watch in wrestling, you know, contribute to the show. Because one of their trainers was Chavo Guerrero of the famous Guerrero family. And um, you, you had Brodus Clay show up on the show one time and Carlito show up on the show one time as well. So it and Alex Riley as well. So it was just really cool to see elements of real life wrestling, you know, show up in that show. And it's a shame to see it go. And also in the news, we have the unfortunate injury of Finn Balor, the NXT champion during his match at TakeOver 31 this past Sunday. He and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era put on one of the best shows in a takeover ever um, as they fought for the NXT Championship. And of course, Finn Balor came out the victor in that match, um, but he suffered, but he announced on Twitter that he had suffered a broken jaw in two different places. Um, he was bleeding from the mouth towards the end of the match, and then Triple H announced after the show that he was taken to hospital um, so he can get x-rays done. And we don't know um, how long it's going to take him to recover, but we do hope that he does heal in time, you know, to be back to tear it up. And also in injury news, we have Ridge Holland, who was just making a splash in NXT um, and how he underwent surgery for um, suffering a really bad lower leg injury following his victory over Danny Burch. Um, this was kind of awkward for me because as I was watching NXT this past Wednesday, um, I believe Oni Lorcan, you know, did a flip over the, a flip dive over the ropes and then Ridge Holland caught him. But then all of a sudden, you know, he fell backwards. And then I had looked away for maybe a few seconds and then looked back and then Ridge Holland was on a stretcher. And I'm just like, what is going on? And they were saying that he was injured somehow. But then when I go on social media, it as it shows, as it turns out, you know, he really broke his ankle as he was landing. And it was like a freak accident. And he gave a thumbs up on the way out um and we don't know how long it's going to take him to recover but it's so sad because he just made his debut a couple weeks ago and he was looking really strong and then at NXT TakeOver 31 he was supposed to be involved in a storyline involving who had attacked Adam Cole um during TakeOver 31 and then he dumped him out in front of the ring after the Finn Balor and um Kyle O'Reilly match and the Undisputed Era came to Adam Cole's aid. So Will, it's almost like we won't truly know if he had anything to do with it or if he was trying to save him or what now because he's injured. But that was pretty sad. Also, um, SmackDown is going to have its season premiere this coming Friday. Um, dealing with the aftermath of the WWE draft. <laughs> And they're going to be having a couple of stellar matches. One of them is which is going to be Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman for the Universal title. And um, the New Day's supposed farewell tag team match against Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura. And there's another person in that match. It's a tr I know it's a six-man tag and I can't remember the other person who's going to be in that match. It's probably Sheamus. But yeah, um because this past I'll talk about it more in the next segment but this past Friday they had the first day of the draft and the new day was separated um because Big E was drafted to SmackDown and then Kofi and Xavier as the SmackDown tag champions were drafted to Raw so 
we were all devastated by that. They were devastated by that. But we have to see where this is going to go. And I'm going to talk about it more in the next segment where I discuss the draft. And that's all for your news and gossip-ish. And now we're just going to go into this into our special segment, highlighting the draft and where all these stories can go, you know, now that these superstars have moved to different shows or have stayed on various shows. Right, so in this special segment, we're going to talk about the WWE draft and all of its splendor. For those who don't know what a WWE draft is, um, and for those who do, we just need a little refresher. That's when all the superstars of Raw and SmackDown get switched around and placed on different and placed on the different shows that's basically different than where they once were. Like, say for instance, say for instance, Seth Rollins, he got drafted to SmackDown when he's only been on Monday Night Raw since 2012, which is basically his debut. He got switched over to SmackDown. So now he's no longer the Monday Night Messiah, but he's the Friday Night Falafel. But (laughs) so basically, that's what that is. And then they also have the whole free agency thing as well, because you have Zelina Vega, who was a free agent at first. And now she's on SmackDown as opposed to being on Raw. And she's basically been on Raw, I believe, since she came up to the main roster. But they will actually know because her and Andrade were on SmackDown for a certain for a little bit, too. So, yeah, um, so she got traded from SmackDown to Raw, and then now she's left Raw to go back to SmackDown. Either way, the first night of the draft happened last Friday on SmackDown, and it had Stephanie McMahon, the boss lady named to, and making the announcements in between matches and in between commercial breaks. So she announced that Raw was going to keep Drew McIntyre as the WWE champion and keep the Raw Women's Champion Asuka and the Hurt Business. And that SmackDown gets to keep Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion. And then they got Seth Rollins, like I mentioned previously before. And then also during round two, um, she announced that Raw was getting AJ Styles. So he was moving from the house that he built in terms of SmackDown, going back to Raw. And SmackDown was keeping Sasha Banks, thank God, because she needs to destroy Bayley. Um, and Naomi was going to Raw, which I thought was a very surprising move, seeing as SmackDown seemed like a better place for her in terms of opportunities. But it might be, maybe it might be for the best for her to go to Raw because at least it would shake things up just a tad bit and take out of her comfort zone. So there's that. And SmackDown got Bianca Belair, which I thought was really cool. I think that's a good place for her to go because that's more of a smaller um, roster in comparison to Raw's women's roster. So she'll shine there like she'll shine everywhere else. Mrs. Perfect is fine. Um, then Raw got Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler as the women's tag team champions. But really, they can fight wherever because, you know, when you're the women's tag team champions, you can defend those titles on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. And I really feel like I'm really hankering for them to face Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter because they're probably the strongest female tag team that NXT has at this stage so I'm ready for them to fight then in um round three it was weird because there was a mixed announcement like when Lars Sullivan came out and attacked um John Morrison and The Miz it was almost like it was almost like Stephanie said that he was going to be on Raw but then she announced um, on Raw last night that he was going to be on SmackDown. So now that's 
been mixed up. But we also have to see how everything's going to play out with all of his drama outside of the ring. But, you know, there's that. Then we have Ricochet staying on Raw, which will probably be the best for him at this stage. Um, especially after giving a phenomenal performance where he paid tribute to Eddie Guerrero in his match against Cedric Alexander. Um, and then SmackDown is keeping Jey Uso, which is good because he's going to continue to face Roman Reigns and he's going to face him at Hell in a Cell in, um, in a couple of weeks for the Universal title. So that's going to be good. Then on Raw, Raw is, al- is also keeping Mandy Rose. But it's weird because she already went to Raw and was already traded to Raw before the draft happened. But I'm not going to question that. And now she's in a promising tag team with Dana Brooke. And I call them the strong blondes that got it going on, which is um, paying tribute to what The Miz and John Morrison called them last night. So there's that. And then SmackDown um, traded Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio, the father and son duo. And I think this is funny because Murphy also got traded to SmackDown as well. So they're basically trading stories here. Um... It's almost like when you think it's over between Ray and Seth, it's not. So they're going to keep that little thing going. Now, who knows if um, Aaliyah is going to show up on there, too. I'm pretty sure she will. But, you know, they're going to probably either keep that story going along or maybe make them do something else. Who knows? So then in round four, which is probably the saddest part of SmackDown, um, you had... Um, Kofi, after Kofi and Xavier came back and won the SmackDown tag team titles um, after being off for some time um, with Xavier's Achilles heel injury and Kofi sort of recovering and spending more time with his family, um, Stephanie announced that Kofi and Xavier would be drafted to Raw and Big E um, would would be staying on SmackDown. And that was so sad because you saw um Xavier constantly say say E's name and they were looking really heartbroken and so was I but I'll talk more about that in the Smackdown segment um and then Raw is gonna keep Dana Brooke and then Smackdown is gonna keep Otis and Raw is gonna get Tucker so and they announced that on Talking Smack so basically they've broken up heavy machinery now which makes me sad I mean because I know that Otis you know has you know a singles run in him definitely because he's Mr. Money in the Bank and there's so much more that he could do but it breaks my heart that um him and Tucker won't be able to mix it up anymore as a tag team and even before they were able to even you know win the possible tag team championships on whatever brand they were on they were never able to do that and now they've broken up and that kind of broke my heart also because I met them and they autographed my title they were really sweet but you know can't really help that And then Raw is going to keep Angel Garza. And what's so funny is no one's drafted Andrade yet. And also no one's and also Zelina Vega, his their former manager, got drafted to SmackDown as well. So we'll see how that goes. And there's also more in the draft, of course, that happened this past Monday. Um, So Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado got traded to Raw. And Lana is drafted to Raw, and she now has an opportunity to face Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship this coming Monday. And that's going to be interesting. That's already caused a little bit of an uproar, but I think that's interesting in, the, in terms of it being a different opponent. Um, and then Natalia is going to SmackDown. 
And also drafted to Raw was Riddick Moss, who's been participating in those Raw Underground segments that they haven't had in the past two weeks, um, strangely enough. And then the Riot Squad, that's Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, have been drafted to SmackDown, which I think will be a fresh start for them. And um, and then they'll be able to participate in the tag team um, title contention as well. And then we have Arturo Ruas, um, who's drafted to Raw, who's also been participating in the Raw Underground stuff as well. And I believe Dava Kato got drafted to Raw as well. So that's good. And like I said, they also announced on Twitter that um, Zelina Vega got drafted to SmackDown. Tamina got drafted to SmackDown. Billy Kay got drafted to SmackDown. And Peyton Royce, of course, got drafted to Raw. So that's de- that's indefinitely separated the Iconics for sure. And then Eric... Um, got drafted to Raw. He's a part of the Viking Raiders. So I don't know what's going to come of that team because I don't know, as far as I know, they haven't announced what's going to happen to the rest of those teams or if anybody else has truly been drafted at this stage. But I'm pretty sure if anyone else does get drafted, it'll probably either be a surprise or they'll tell us, you know, over social media or on the next show. I don't know. They're gonna, they're not going to probably do it on NXT. They'll probably do it on SmackDown because it's the um, season premiere. So... Also, Umberto Carrillo got drafted to Raw, and Drew Gulak got drafted to Raw, and Kalisto got drafted to SmackDown, so he basically stayed where he was at. So, really, that's where we're at with the draft so far. I'm really excited um, for what it's going to do. One thing that I'm intrigued in seeing is that I really want Bianca Belair to get more shine in terms of SmackDown, since they're billing her as Mrs. Perfect. Um, if you know about the hall, if you know about the wrestler, Mr. Perfect, who um, is sadly no longer with us, um, he was the wrestler who had blonde hair and he would wear a onesie, but he would, you know, parade, parade himself around as the perfect athlete who could play basketball, football, soccer, and then get in the ring and wrestle and tussle with you too. And he's a generational wrestler as well, because Kurt Henning, um, Kurt Henning had a son um, by the name of Curtis Axel, who um, wrestled in WWE for a long time, but just got released this year due to the pandemic. Um, So and I believe his father before him was also a wrestler, too. So in terms of Bianca Belair, she's not a generational talent, but um, what she lacks in um, the generational thing going on with the family history, she makes up for with charisma and athleticism. I've talked about her multiple times on this show. I love that queen and I wish her nothing but the best in her life. And I also wish nothing but the best for her husband, um, Montez Ford and, um, Angelo Dawkins, um, as the street prophets, cause they also got drafted to SmackDown as well. And now they've also switched off, you know, and they are now the SmackDown tag team um, champions as Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods are the Raw tag team champions because they had them switch titles um, this past Monday. Well, so or last night. So now we've got all these intriguing storylines. We have so much so many new things to happen. And in terms of Bianca Belair, I just want her to face Sasha Banks. I want her and Sasha Banks to fight each other or her and Bayley to fight each other like Either way, you can't go wrong. And then you have Carmella, who's still on SmackDown, who's only been on SmackDown, you know, since she's come up to the main roster, which is great. And her new gimmick with the whole um, untouchable thing. And there's so much beauty that can come from that. Like, I'm really excited. And just the draft just shakes things up in a good way. 
And I can't wait for them to announce, you know, who's going to further, you know, be put on to the show, um, put on to all the different shows as we start a new season um, of television with wrestling, with WWE within itself. And I know a lot of people were kind of discontented with the fact that NXT didn't get to participate in a draft. But you also have to remember that, that they're maybe trying to build like a system where they feel like NXT call ups or people who were on NXT um, have to sort of earn that um, distinction and sort of pay their dues, even though deep down inside, we know that NXT is probably the better brand out of all three of them but you know we'll just let them have that so that's basically what happened on the draft so far and now we're going to talk about monday night raw from last night okay so on last night's raw it was night two of the wwe draft and of course you know it started off with so many different matches to sort of set everything off so we're going to of course start with the women and Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke had an interview with Miz TV which really didn't you know go that much of anywhere outside of the Miz throwing mad shade at Mandy for um for her being on Raw and being separated from Otis. But basically, you know, she gave him what for. And then her and Dana came out in matching outfits, black and gold, baby. They looked amazing. And like I said in an earlier segment, um, John Morrison actually called them the like there's call them strong and blonde and got it going on and i'm just like that's perfect like i literally feel like their name should be the strong blondes from now on because the amount of muscle that those two have is just amazing like i just love them and they're really strong so <laughs> that was cool and then natalia and lana came out and interrupted their interview and basically said that they were mad that nobody wanted to interview them even though they're also in the women's battle royal that was scheduled to take place at the end of the show um to to pick a qualifier for oscar's raw women's championship so basically they were just talking about how jealous they were of them and how they feel like you know since natalia's the boat the best of all time you know she should have been she should have gotten an interview and because of how relevant they are on social media with tiktoks or whatever but mandy threw shade at them and basically said you know no one cares about that and they got mad and started beating up on mandy rose and dana brooke but then they got advantage took the advantage of them and then it which led to them having a tag team match and it was a pretty good, you know, showing as you can see that Lana is kind of getting better in her approach in terms of wrestling because she didn't start off as a wrestler. She started off as a manager um, for her husband, Rusev, who's no longer working with the company now. He's Miro in AEW. So much respect to him. Um, so you can tell that there are some areas in which she's getting better but she was also you know taunting um mandy a whole lot and making fun of her and then once mandy rose you know tagged in she hit a she hit a bicycle knee or as my boyfriend would call it the golden trigger um to lana to set up dana brooke to do an elevated senton bomb off of her shoulders for the win and then after they lost their match because clearly natalia and lana haven't been working well as a tag team unit um 
Natalia said this isn't working and that she was and she said I'm finished with you I'm done with you and Lana was upset and she was crying or whatever but she wound up getting a little bit of revenge later on so um I'll tell you about that also with the women we had Zelina Vega watching doing commentary as Andrade and Angel Garza was fighting in their match but as they were taunting her and basically making it seem like she was holding them back as opposed to elevating them um Angel Garza won his match but then he was beating up on Andrade um he was beating up on Andrade and then um Zelina got in the ring to make sure Andrade was okay which I thought was a really weird character move but you know I mean check on him you know since that was your former client and then as she was checking on him the lights went out and then as the lights went out you had Alexa Bliss up here you know turning being turned upside down um like the fiend likes to do and then he showed up and then they both ran up on them and did the and did the double sister abigails on the both of them and attacked them so that was really interesting and then afterward they were just staring at each other like joker and harley quinn and it was just really cool you know to see alexa bliss really but you know delve into becoming this female fiend character like it is so interesting and it is so juicy like i love it so much and then if, you know, that doesn't help with the situation, um, Alexa Bliss and The Fiend have been drafted to Raw as well. So <laughs> so they're going to be wreaking havoc over there on everybody. So that's going to be cool to see. Um, but, you know, now Zelina Vega's been moved to SmackDown. So I don't think anything's truly going to happen with them, with her and Alexa Bliss um, of that note. And then as of now, we don't know where Andrade is going to be. So that's kind of up in the air. But either way, that was really cool. So after that, in terms of the women, we had the battle royal that took place to qualify for the number one contendership for Asuka's Raw Women's title. And Nia Jax came out there, you know, talking all that big stuff, talking about how, you know, she's just going to win because, you know, she's just the big girl and all that other stuff. And but then Shayna Baszler and the other girls were kind of just looking at her like she was crazy. And they all just ganged up on her and decided to beat up and decided to beat up on her. And then finally, Shayna Baszler even helped eliminate her, which I thought was really funny, which also played into them being tag team partners, but not being exactly the best of friends. So I thought that was interesting. And it was almost like Shayna Baszler just doesn't have any good luck when it comes to these battle royal matches because she got eliminated by Bianca Belair, who came out there dressed in purple and gold. So I'm guessing she was channeling some Los Angeles Lakers energy because there are new NBA Finals champions. Congratulations to them and LeBron the GOAT. Um, and the Riot Squad wound up, you know, eliminating her. And basically the final four that were left was Lacey Evans and Natalia and Ruby Riot and um, Liv Morgan. But what what no one knew was the fact that Lana hadn't really officially been, been eliminated. She got smashed through um, the table, th through the announce desk for the fourth or fifth time. Um, and, you know, in a while by Nia Jax. So she was just kind of laid out there, but nobody knew that she hadn't got eliminated just yet. And so the all the people, you know, all of them, the two remaining heels in terms of Lacey Evans and Natalia um, fought, you know, fought, fought Liv down and Ruby Riot down and everything. But then um, 
Natalia wound up eliminating Lacey Evans and Ruby Wright and Liv Morgan wound up getting eliminated. So Natalia thought she had won the whole match, right? So she's sitting on the apron celebrating, but yet the bell hadn't rung and all this other stuff. But then the refs are yelling at her saying, Lana's still in the match, Lana's still in the match. And she wound up knocking her off the apron in order to win. And that was really cool because in terms of women going for the raw women's title i feel like now since you have charlotte who's out and becky lynch who's out you know with her baby and stuff um you have these women going for the title whom we've never seen go for a title before you've never seen lana actively go after a women's title since she's been in the wwe you've never actively seen um, you had never seen Zelina Vega up until this point go for a title either, even though she had participated in Royal Rumbles and stuff. You never saw her really go gung ho for a title like she had, you know, with Asuka a couple of weeks ago. So there are new people, you know, in the fray going for it, going up against Asuka, you know, who's just an amazing athlete in and of itself. But you have people online sort of complaining and irritated that Lana got the opportunity. But my thing is, if she didn't get the opportunity you and if somebody else had won who you would have expected to win you would have complained but then it's just like she won and she's new to the title hunt and you're still complaining like guys like be happy (laughs) like be happy that a new person is getting a chance so um so i believe that's really all that happened with the women outside of stephanie mcmahon having a constant presence with announcing of course you know the draft and everything so if i hadn't already said it lacey evans um has been drafted to raw nikki cross is has been drafted to raw our truth is staying on raw titus o'neill is going to raw and apollo cruz is going to smackdown and alistair black is headed to smackdown as well and akira tozawa is staying on raw So Ross started with Randy Orton talking about his victory over Drew McIntyre and how he was the first person to pin um, Drew McIntyre in over a year almost um, because, of course, Drew McIntyre has been going on his championship run and now he's finally won it. But last week, you know, there was a tag team match and Randy Orton hit the RKO and got the pin, you know, one, two, three. And he was bragging, saying that he that the same thing was going to happen at Hell in a Cell when they face each other in a couple of weeks. But then Drew McIntyre came out and interrupted him and saying that he wasn't going to wait until Sunday. And he said, as long as we're on Monday Night Raw together, I'm going to continue to kick your butt. But of course, he didn't say butt. Um, <laughs> and then they fought in the ring and then outside of the ring before Drew McIntyre threw him onto the Raw announce table. But then um, Orton went running up the ramp to avoid taking up a taking a Claymore kick. And they actually kept fighting, you know, they actually fought at the end of the show as well. So after Lana won her um, battle royal match, they showed them fighting, you know, amongst the Thunderdome crowd, if you will. And they just kept fighting until people had to break them up. So th- this this feud is kind of hot, but at the same time, I'm kind of over it because Randy Orton going for another title opportunity when he's had 13 titles, it's just kind of like, son, sit down. Like, I'm ready for somebody else to fight him that's not Brock Lesnar and not Randy Orton. So, yeah. At this rate, you know, I guess I know this is like a fantasy thing. But at this rate, I would want Kofi Kingston to try to go for it again. 
considering they're on the same show now but seeing as he's a tag title winner it's just kind of like it's a long shot but I'd go for it anyway so (laughs) yeah um then we had a no disqualification match between Kevin Owens and Aleister Black and this was a really amazing match like this was they were fighting like they were on a pay-per-view it was cool so um before entrances were even done like Aleister Black went after Kevin Owens and he just started beating him up over and over again and they used tables and steel chairs and then there was a point where Aleister Black even hit even like hit a meteor or a double knee slam into Kevin Owens with through a stack of chairs and that was amazing like are you serious like that was an amazing spot and I was almost worried because it looked like Alistair had almost hurt himself in that move but you can tell like how cool it was like it was amazing but then Kevin Owens of course refused to give up um he caught him with a stunner after um Alistair Black you know hit him with a couple of kicks and then he power bombed um he power bombed Alistair Black through a table and got a pinfall victory over him so this was really good here um this is a really good match here between these two now I don't know what's gonna come next of course because of course Alistair's been drafted to Smackdown um so I don't know what's gonna come with that but either way it was good And then, of course, Miz TV happened with their interview with Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. But after they got to fighting, um, they attempted to recover the show by putting each other, you know, over. But then Lars Sullivan uh, came and basically manhandled the crap out of John Morrison. And it was almost like the Miz was trying so hard to save him, but it was to no avail. And he had to just look on helplessly. And that made me sad because I'm just like, so are they going to possibly break up the Miz and Morrison? Um, Because it was almost like the Miz was trying, but he was not trying hard enough to try to save his friend. So it was just like, it was so sad and plus I just don't like Lars Sullivan and I've addressed that so I'm not going to address it anymore um (laughs) so there was that and then there was a triple threat match between Seth Rollins AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy so Seth decided that he wanted to address the um Raw Universe because it was his last night on Monday Night Raw um because he's going to Smackdown to be the Friday Night Falafel and he stated that he was glad to leave, but he was sorry for leaving the fans wounded with his departure. And he told Raw that it could not possibly recover from losing him, you know, as the locker room leader. But Jeff Hardy, Hardy Gang, Hardy Gang, came out <laughs> and interrupted him and said that he was going to take his place as the as the Raw leader, you know, and stuff. And Rollins basically railroaded him and said, you know, you can't do that. But something that happened when Jeff Hardy came out, it was almost like Seth Rollins low-key broke character because he was smiling super hard as Jeff Hardy came out because ultimately in real life, Seth Rollins is a wrestling fan. So (laughs) he was probably really happy to just be in the same room as Jeff Hardy. So it was cool. But um, he, you know, decided to railroad him. But then of course he walked out you know and said that um Jeff Hardy was set to face Lars Sullivan uh, on Smackdown but then he was walking out and then AJ Styles arrived to um mock Jeff Hardy because of course they still have their little beef going on that transferred over from Smackdown centered around the Intercontinental Championship which is now held by Sami Zayn who is saying on Smackdown um and he basically you know 
was throwing shade at Jeff Hardy saying calling him a drunk and all that other stuff and he wound up you know throwing some mad shade at Seth Rollins and then Seth Rollins came back down the ramp and they got into an argument and then Jeff Hardy took out both of them and demanded a triple threat match but then he also made a mistake and called it a triple threat tag team match but it's Jeff Hardy so we're not going to railroad him for that it was a common mistake so this match went back and forth and and they all clearly wanted to make a statement you know um to show themselves strong in this match and then it seemed like Jeff Hardy you know was the most motivated to take this to to try to take this victory and take this match by storm but they were all equally resilient against each other it's like you had you know two ogs going up against you know an icon in seth rollins and it was just really good and the announce desk kept you know playing up to the history between seth rollins um aj styles and jeff hardy with their history in tna and i thought that was really interesting but of course you know they they'll never say tna or impact on wwe television they'll just say you know you guys had history you know in sports entertainment but they won't say (laughs) the other um company's names it's kind of funny but this match was just really good they were going back and forth with each other Rollins thought that he had hit a curb stomp on AJ Styles but then he ran into Jeff Hardy's tilt-a-whirl DDT um off of um AJ Styles for a near fall and then AJ Styles had trapped Rollins in a calf crusher but then he broke it to allow Jeff Hardy to hit a swanton bomb on Rollins but then he kicked but then um, Seth Rollins kicked out. And then as Jeff Hardy was trying to, you know, find his footing, Elias came back. Hello. Um, and hit Jeff Hardy in the back with a guitar to set up a victory for AJ Styles. And then later on, he explained the reason why he attacked Jeff Hardy was because he was still blaming him for that accident, for that car accident that happened a couple of months ago, right when I think quarantine just happened, um, or at least right at the beginning of quarantine where they had that storyline where Seamus was the one who was trying to frame Jeff Hardy for drunk driving. But Elias didn't believe that it was some redheaded dude. He believed that it was Jeff Hardy. So now we got that feud going on. Now, if there's something that WWE is improving is its long-term storytelling. It's improving its long-term storytelling with the set that Murphy angle where Murphy finally went off on him. It's it's definitely improving long-term storytelling with the Sasha Banks Bailey um storyline and definitely with this because for a second I'm not going to pretend like I didn't forget. <laughs> like I didn't forget that Elias was gone because he had gotten ran over by a car by Sheamus and Sheamus framed Jeff Hardy. So they're keeping up with their continuity here. And I feel like no one's truly giving them a whole lot of credit for that. So I'm doing that here. Um, Also with the men, you had Angel Garza versus Andrade. And I talked a little bit about that, but these two can never go wrong in a match because these two are two of the very best in Mexican wrestling, period. And I really don't have to say that much um, to to how the match went. You know, I just watch it yourself and then um angel garza wound up winning the entire thing so they're beefing him up so so there was that then we had the raw tag team championship match between the new day in the form of kofi and xavier um versus dolph ziggler and robert rude so this was where I thought the cutest thing happened. So the Street Profits were backstage with Adam Pierce, the WWE official who doesn't assert his authority in a stupid way. Um, <laughs> and they were back there with Kofi and Xavier. So in order 
to make everything fair since they've been traded to new shows they traded tag team titles it was almost like in school where you'll see somebody with like a bag of chips that you really like but then they like your bag of chips too and you decide to make a trade that's kind of what it felt like um (laughs) so the new day are now the raw tag team champions and the street profits are now the smackdown tag team champions so after their little switcheroo Bobby Roode, because I'm going to keep calling him Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler complained that they deserved a title shot and that they were better. And so the New Day agreed. And so they grinded. So in this match, um, Ziggler and Roode decided to grind down Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods with their technical prowess. And it worked for a little while. But then, of course, you know, Xavier Woods really impressed me in this match because for somebody who just recovered and just came back from an Achilles tendon injury, this thing was jumping all on the ropes, hitting all the flips and stuff. I was just like, go, Xavier. Get it, Xavier. Let's go, Virgo. But anyway, um, (laughs) he was doing such a good job. Like, it makes me sad how underrated he is as a wrestler because he mainly does tag team stuff and that may be what he's satisfied with but honestly if he was just like I wish that he gave him a chance as a singles wrestler and gave him a character that would have stuck because he could have been really like a full-on star but it's okay he's good where he's at too um he was hitting the honor roll move that we hadn't seen him hit in such a long time and they nearly took the win against Ziggler with a DDT but then Dolph Ziggler fought back with a DDT of his own for a near fall but then Xavier Woods kicked out um after Bobby Roode hit a spine buster but then Kofi took out um Dolph Ziggler on the outside and then the New Day retained their tag team titles with the Midnight Hour and I love their Midnight Hour move because simply simply because of the fact I'm a church girl so all it does is remind me of a gospel song that we sing in church all the time that involves lyrics midnight hour and how God's going to turn it around. It's going to work in your favor. Y'all I miss church. Um, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so after that, you had Ricochet versus Cedric Alexander. And with seeing the hurt business, you would have thought that maybe, um, Mustafa Ali was going to address his retribution stuff from last week where he was revealed to be the leader of retribution which I thought was one of the coolest swerves in all of history um, because he went from being um, the sweet baby face guy to possibly being the security camera guy on Smackdown then they got rid of that and now he's the leader of retribution like what that was so cool um, so with that in mind, Mustafa Ali didn't show up at all on Raw, which disappointed me a little bit. But I mean, I guess they're just holding off on that, you know, to sort of let the shock wear off. Um, and so Ricochet and Cedric Alexander had a match because Ricochet challenged him and he said that he was done fighting with them. He said um, that if he defeated a member of the Hurt Business, you know, they would never have to fight again but then if one of the members of the hurt business you know beat him that he would join so cedric alexander being you know his cruiserweight equal decided to take him up on the challenge so um mvp looked like he was frustrated with cedric alexander and how he wasn't getting aggressive but um he was clearly taking over the contest after a certain point but then after um he hit a Michinoku driver you know and almost took the win he accidentally hit the referee but in the chaos of it all Ricochet pulled an Eddie Guerrero (laughs) and 
you know, grabbed the chair that was meant for Cedric Alexander. Um, and he hit the chair against the ring and threw the chair into Cedric's arms and feigned like he got hit. And then Cedric was like, no, I didn't do it. And he wound up getting disqualified and it was so cool. So now Ricochet no longer has to fight the Hurt Business and he doesn't have to join them. So I thought this was a really cool, you know, character turn in terms of being silly with Ricochet. <laughs> because, I mean, pulling an Eddie will always get you brownie points to me. Because that's just a him move. You know, that was one of the last moves we saw him make on television before he sadly passed. Like, he did that to Mr. Kennedy on SmackDown before he passed, honestly. He did that, and it was just kind of good to see. And then even Sasha Banks did that in her first Raw Women's Championship match against Charlotte Flair. Um, and she wound up using that tactic to get Dana Brooke ejected. So it's always cool to see, you know, current wrestlers be, you know use Eddie Guerrero's tactics I know he's smiling down on us from above viva la raza and that's all that happened on raw okay so in this weekly recap I'm going to discuss NXT from last week um, a lot happened. It was basically um, centered around the aftermath of NXT TakeOver 31. And there was a lot of cool stuff that took place. So we're just going to start with the women. Um, in terms of the women, you had Ember Moon coming out and making her return to NXT television. And she was talking about how excited she was, you know, to get back into a ring after 14 long months of rehab. And, and it's so weird because it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but I guess it has. And it was really good to see her again with her um, Mad Max um, um, gear going on with her beautiful hair and stuff. So that was cool. But as she was talking about, you know, how she had been held back from different opportunities and stuff on the main roster, she was kind of, you know, insinuating that during her promo, she was interrupted by Io Shirai and she came out and basically interrupted her. But as she was walking out, um, Rhea Ripley walked out as well. And she was basically saying, you know, that she was after her own shot for the Io, for um, EO's NXT Women's Championship. But then as Rhea was walking towards the ring, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, you know, Sean and Diesel 2.0, decided to come out and beat her up. And then as and then as they were beating her up and jumping her, Ember Moon came to her defense. So basically, as they were both fighting, um, William Regal and the referees basically pulled them apart and said that um, and announced that they were going to participate in a tag team match as the main event for the night. So it's always good when the women main event a show. So that was always that's always awesome. And then just the fact that it was a tag match with um, Rhea Ripley and Ember Moon, whom we've never seen team up together before, was really cool, too. So it was so we're just going to just we're going to discuss that a little bit later. Also with the women, you had Shotzi Blackheart versus Zia Lee. And before this match, you had a, a promo showing um, the Garganos as Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae um, walking their dog in their matching power couple jumpsuits. And they were disappointed because at um, NXT TakeOver, they didn't win, you know, their um, championship matches. But they were walking the dog. And then once they got to, back to their house, they found that there was a TV outside. And later on in the night, they 
plugged in the TV and realized that there was a um, a USB flash drive inside the television and they were showing the battle royal match that involved all the women so they could qualify to be the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. And as they were fighting there was a clip that was zoomed in on that involved um nxc trainee indy hartwell moving candace LeRae out of the way you know anytime she was in danger of being eliminated so this got johnny gargano and candace LeRae's wheels to turn in into thinking that maybe they have a new ally in indy hartwell or you know someone to tag into their whole gargano way so maybe this gargano way thing is supposed to be a um possible faction who knows? But I still think it's intriguing, you know, that they're including someone who is relatively new, who has a fresh face, you know, and, you know, you're pairing them with two of the most consistent workers in NXT. So that really can't go wrong. So after this, we had a match with Shotzi Blackheart and Zia Lee. And Shotzi, you know, came out with a whole, like, incredibly um, quick with quick offense and all of that. And then Blackheart really... Um, it was almost like Zia Lee just was hard. It was hard for her to get started in the match. And Blackheart wound up um, hitting a senton on her for the win. But then as Zia Lee was looking disappointed, as she has been for the past couple of weeks in her losing ways, um, this gentleman by the name of Boa came out in a suit and um, handed her a letter that she read before heading to the back with him. So maybe this is going to lead to something um, amazing where she's going to either possibly turn heel and have a more aggressive character with a manager who knows like this is going to be really interesting but I am going to be glad to see her you know um, put on a new persona because her just being the happy peppy girl you know well not the happy peppy girl but just kind of like the happy martial artist girl isn't necessarily working right now so maybe a change in attitude will do it for her. We also, um, but also at the main event, we had Ember Moon and Rhea Ripley in their tag team match against Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. And Ember Moon came out on fire, like on all cylinders. She was flipping, she was hitting people, she was kicking people. And I was really scared because I didn't want her to get injured and all of that stuff because of her. Um, she injured her Achilles tendon, which is why she was out for 14 months. And I was really nervous anytime she did anything on her feet, anytime she landed somewhere or whatever, but she handled it with such grace. She did so good. And she wasn't even scared of Raquel Gonzalez. And y'all know how big she is. <laughs> so it was just really cool. And then um, Dakota Kai and uh, Raquel and Gonzalez had worked so hard to sort of isolate Rhea Ripley um, from making tags and stuff like that. But then she was too resilient for them and she just kept fighting them back. She even kicked out of a summer a somersault backbreaker and then tagged in Ember, who was like ready to powerbomb Dakota Kai. And then after Rhea Ripley and um, Raquel got to fighting outside, she hit the Eclipse on Dakota Kai for the win. And this was really cool because if you've ever seen the Eclipse, if you've ever seen watched um, wrestling from the 90s, you have Stone Cold Steve Austin and you see him um, do a stunner where he grabs someone by their neck and then and, and basically holds their neck on well holds their head on his shoulder and then he sort of sits down with it and it sort of makes the opponent hop up and down or whatever that's kind of what this is except she does it from the top rope and it's really dangerous to look at but it's still cool to see so to see um ember moon and rhea ripley win this match was really good and to see ember you know bounce back 
you know, healed and everything and fighting again just meant the world to me. And you can tell that there was some tension between Rhea and Ember because they both want a chance at the NXT women's title that Io Shirai currently holds. Um, but they're both they're both probably going to have to go through each other in order to get it. So that was really cool. So with the men, um, starting off the show, you had Kushida versus Tommaso Ciampa. And this was pretty out of nowhere to me because I wasn't expecting the both of them to fight each other, um, especially given Ch um, Kushida having just fought um, Velveteen Dream and, and actually had a victory in that aspect. But you know they were fighting and fussing at each other backstage afterward and then they they rushed out to the ring and there was a point where Tommaso Ciampa was brutalizing Kushida and utilize and basically utilized his strength um a whole lot and then Kushida struggled to to get through to the hoverboard lock but then he was able to pick up the pace eventually and he used a series of physical kicks on the left arm of Ciampa because now Kushida's new thing is that he's going to start beating up on people's arms in order to get the advantage. And after a series of stomps, Kushida applied the hoverboard lock. But then Velveteen Dream came out and tried to ambush Kushida. And then he hit, but then he hit um, Tommaso Ciampa instead to cause a disqualification and Kushida ran off the Velveteen Dream threatening to break his arm again and it was so bad um, because I thought it would have been really cool if Kushida had had the opportunity to actually beat up on um, Tommaso Ciampa and actually get a win over him but it looks like this Velveteen Dream Kushida storyline just isn't going to end um, even though it could have ended, but it's looking like that's not going to end. So um, we'll see how that's going to go. Then we had um, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane versus Everrise. And this match was kind of quick and kind of... Um, it really didn't have that many heavy stakes, except for the fact that Drake Maverick was under the impression that him and Killian Dane were like better friends than Killian Dane thinks they are. You know, you have that person who puts so much into a relationship, but then there's always one, you know, but then the other person isn't putting that much into it. That's what their tag team is like. Um, so Killian Dane was not impressed with any of their new music, which sounds like a peppy Disney song. And he just wasn't in enthused by any of it. So Matt Martell, a part of um, the team Everize, made a mistake by taunting Killian Dane um, while they were dominating Drake Maverick. And... Dane took over the match and then set himself up for a Vader bomb on Chase Parker. But then Drake Maverick tagged in to help. But then Killian Dane got mad about it and power bombed him onto Parker for the win. So afterward, um, Drake Maverick, you know, was trying to celebrate the win. But then Killian Dane basically punched him and knocked him out as they were trying to celebrate. So they're just miss. They're just giving lots of lots of tag teams the opportunity to you know hate each other while still working together and I don't know I guess this is just a common theme now so we'll see how that goes then we had Austin Theory versus Leon Ruff and Leon Ruff um is actually a new signee to WWE even though he had been on WWE TV for like a couple months now especially since the pandemic and he was a trainee and now he's officially um on the NXT brand and he's also the boyfriend of Aja Smith who is um the first black female referee the WWE's ever had. And they are 
a beautiful couple and he is a really talented wrestler so here he fought against austin theory who is looking to prove himself um so leon ruff was showing all of his speed and athleticism really quickly but then there was one point where he was bouncing on the middle rope and then he messed up and then um austin theory um hit him like just blasted him onto the mat and then took him down with his atl finisher and so after the match ended um austin theory was bragging about his future and why no one could get in his way and how he's a future hall of famer and all that other stuff but then and then he was daring anybody to come out there you know and try and fight him so you enter a returning dexter loomis who's like the creepy serial killer guy who's coming back from an injury um and Austin Theory agreed to a match with him even though deep down inside he looked like he was scared as anyone would and then as they were fighting each other you know Dexter did not lose control of the match at all um and then he hit um Austin Theory with a katagame and then he forced a tap out but then as Dexter Loomis you know had won his match he didn't get a chance to celebrate because Cameron Grimes um planted Dexter Loomis with a cave-in um stomp afterward and then basically he explained uh, backstage that um loomis that dexter loomis got on his nerves by not answering a question that he asked which led to the attack and as talented as cameron grimes is i know he's created to be this character that's meant to get on everybody's nerves because he thinks he's better than what he actually is and I'm interested to see, you know, how different that's going to be because you have Dexter Loomis, who's like the serious serial killer guy who looks like he could stare a hole in your soul. And then you have Cameron Grimes, who's like this bumbly country dude, you know, who just thinks he's all that. And I think that's going to be a really cool dynamic. I think it's going to be great. Um, but at the same time, Cameron Grimes gets on my nerves a little bit. But, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. Then they also showed a um, video package of Tony Storm, who's making her return to NXT after a break. And she said that basically once once she returns, we'll see a different Tony Storm that we've never seen before. And I think that's going to be interesting. So then we had the match with Ridge Holland versus Danny Burch. And um, after they showed a recap of the Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly match that happened in NXT TakeOver 31 for the NXT Championship, um, they mentioned that Finn Balor had fractured his jaw or broke his jaw in two places, like I had mentioned in News and Gossipish. And then Adam Cole had promised to make Ridge Holland pay for injuring him because, you know, if you see, if you saw Takeover Thirty One near the end of the show, Ridge Holland had had was carrying Adam Cole on his shoulder and then you know tossed him onto the floor after Kyle O'Reilly's match, and then Holland explained that. Um, that he had a mercedes to thank for the hit so basically he just tried to commit vehicular homicide on adam cole so this is where we're at now um for the match danny birch um tried to ground and pound ridge holland but then ridge holland could not be kept down because he's basically like this big dude who has the body of a football player but he played rugby because he's from the uk and he kept on his feet and then planted birch with northern grit for the win and then afterward you know holland was mocking um danny birch and then he battered him with multiple headbutts but then oni lorkin um danny birch's tag team partner came out there and made the save and started a vicious brawl with him and then referees had to try to come and break it up but then towards the end i think there was a point where oni lorkin jumped onto 
um, Ridge Holland. And then as he jumped onto him and Ridge Holland landed, he wound up tweaking his ankle or possibly breaking his ankle in a freak accident. And then um, he had to be stretchered out, but he, he was stretchered out with his thumbs up. So that was really horrific because I kind of looked away for like maybe a few seconds. And then all of a sudden he was on a stretcher and I'm like, whoa, what happened? Um, but they explained online that he had been injured. And it kind of sucks that Ridge Holland was injured because he started off kind of hot and um, fresh and everything with him, you know, beating everyone and sort of being dominant. And he had something intriguing going with the Adam Cole's, you know, attack storyline. But now all that's, you know, has been put to a screeching halt because he's been injured. So dang, it's kind of an, it's a tough break for him, but you know, here's hoping he'll heal. And that's pretty much all that happened on NXT. So now we're going to go to SmackDown. Alright, so we're going to do our weekly recap of SmackDown from last week. And this was the first day of the WWE Draft, so it was a pretty high-stakes um, episode. Um, there was really only one female match, and that was Bayley versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title. And then you had the ever-growing presence of Stephanie McMahon, the chief branding officer and the boss lady named Twin, making announcements of, who, of what show was going to get which WWE superstars. And I discussed that in the earlier segment, so I won't go further into that, but for um the women's match like i said yeah it was between bailey and sasha banks sasha banks is seeking retribution no pun intended for <laughs> bailey's attack um on her and betrayal of her on my birthday and she's coming for the only for the one thing that bailey only cares about which is the smackdown women's title so it was funny because this past friday was the heavenly birthday of eddie guerrero may he rest in peace and everyone was sort of under the impression even on social media that how amazing it would be if Sasha had won this title on her hero's birthday but that sadly was not the case because um even though Sasha Banks had came out really rough and tumble put like punching and kicking Bailey and just taking advantage of her even locking her in the bank statement two times Bailey just kept wiggling out and then after she wiggled out she actually utilized the chair that she had brought out with her that she used to attack Sasha last month month and got herself disqualified on purpose which means she retained the title even though Sasha Banks won the match and they kept fighting each other and fighting each other but then eventually later on in the night Sasha announced and challenged her to a hell in a cell match for the title um in a in a couple of weeks so this is going to keep this story going and I'm really happy that they're actually fighting even though a lot of people on social media were really hoping that they were just going to drag it out somehow I mean how far do you think they could have dragged it out is my question but at the same time it's still going to be good either way when they when they do finally let each other let the cannons loose with both of these girls because they are amazing and they are two of the greatest women's wrestlers that have ever existed in my opinion with Sasha Banks being number one but that's pretty much all that happened with the women on um, SmackDown. So you had so to start off SmackDown, aside from the announcements that Stephanie McMahon made for the draft, you had Big E versus Sheamus in a Falls Count Anywhere match. And this match was really, really, really good. Like in terms of all the action and in terms of the danger that they were inflicting upon each other, it was so good. So Big 
so Big E came out. Sorry, y'all, somebody outside. Um, <laughs> Big E came out um, for the match, and they went right after each other. And Sheamus took control with a rolling senton to, tr- to try to score the first two count. Then Big E planted him with a urinagi before spearing him off of the apron on the floor. But then Sheamus had tied Big E up in the ropes, you know, and then started beating him up with a kendo stick, you know. And then after Big E was able to break free, um, he managed to wrap Sheamus's legs in duct tape as he was trying to crawl up under the ring and get another weapon. And then after Sheamus, you know, hopped out from under the ring, Big E beat him up with a kendo stick. And that was just really cool to see them go back and forth like that. Then we returned from a commercial break to see them fighting backstage. They had made it all the way back behind the curtain. And then Sheamus was already, you know, showing welts on his back from being hit with the um, kendo stick. But then he slammed Big E onto a table and then poured food all over him like eggs and flour. And I thought that was disrespectful. Um... And then, but then Big E broke a couple of brooms over Seamus's back before picking up a trash can and then hitting him a bunch of times with it. And then they fought into a garage and Seamus found a tire iron out of nowhere to use as a weapon. And then he picked up Big E and delivered white noise onto the windshield like he did on my birthday here again. And, (laughs) and then... But he wound up not winning the match with that like he thought he was going to do last time. So he then put tried to put Big E into the trunk of the car. And then he tried to slam it on his arm. But then Big E avoided it by put, by popping his foot up and blocking the trunk from closing. And he picked up Seamus and then powerbombed him onto the hood of the car. And then he climbed up with him in his arms and hit the big ending through a table for the win. You saw a more aggressive Big E here. And I thought that was really good because, as you know, Big E is like this smiley, peppy, sweetie pie of a person. But in this match, you saw something unleashed inside of him that we hadn't really seen in a long time. And that was, you know, his um, vicious side. Because there was a point where he was beating up on Sheamus and he told the referee to move out of the way. And I was just like, whoa. And it was really forceful. So that was really good to see from Big E. You know, they're still going with this push um, for him. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him a little bit later in this segment, too. Then we had a promo, um, well, after the commercial break, you you had Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, you know, surprising Big E backstage and and basically, you know, doing their whole New Day shtick, you know, and it was good to see them both on TV. And it's good to know that also Xavier Woods was healed from his Achilles tendon injury. And he went and then Stephanie McMahon went on to announce that Kofi and Xavier would be fighting for the SmackDown tag team titles against Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura that night. So um, back in the ring, Jay Uso called out his cousin Roman Reigns and demanded to know what the special stipulation was to their Hell in a Cell match. And Paul Heyman appeared on the screen to tell Jay that Reigns would only reveal that information when he wanted to and not a second before because you can't tell the tribal chief what to do, blah, blah, blah. Then a few moments later, Roman Reigns appeared, you know, on the screen and said that all Jay had to do was acknowledge him as the tribal chief because he's still pushing this whole thing because everybody else is acknowledging him as the tribal chief except Jay because Jay has pride. And he revealed that their Hell in a Cell match will be an I Quit match. So basically, for those who don't know what an I Quit match is, that's basically where you incapacitate your opponent to the point of them saying the words, I quit. Not that they quit the company or quit their job, but they just quit the match. Like, they're tired of going. So, 
Um, Roman reiterated that he loved his cousin, which I think is the most gaslighting thing you could ever do. It's like, I love you. And it's so abusive because you're saying I love you, but yet you're beating him up and making him and basically relegating him to nothing. And it's just so terrible. Um, Roman Reigns is a good actor anyway. (laughs) Um, and he said he just wanted to help him, but he said, know that there will be consequences for you not bending your knee and calling me your tribal chief. And it was just so sad. But this feud is just absolutely wonderful. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's going to steal the show at Hell in a Cell. Like, honestly, Hell in a Cell is turning out to be a really good pay-per-view. It's, it's really shaping up to be good. And I'm excited. Then we had a match between The Miz and John Morrison versus Jeff Hardy and Matt Riddle. And this was a very different pair um, in terms of Matt Riddle being with Jeff Hardy. But then on social media, Matt Riddle posted a picture of him and Jeff. And you can see that he was really crunk about, you know, meeting fighting with one of his heroes so um matt riddle took um john morrison down with a suplex before he tagged in jeff hardy for a couple of double team moves and then we turned from commercial break to see um the miz and john morrison taking jeff hardy down with a flurry of tag team moves for a quick count two count and then matt riddle got the hot tag and went wild on both of his opponents with um with a series of suplexes and strikes and if there's one thing that matt riddle can deliver on if he can't deliver on anything else um (laughs) he can deliver on some suplexes and some strikes with that mma background and it's always exciting to watch he then grabbed the miz and then hit the bro Derek for the win and then him and jeff hardy were trying to celebrate but then we had the return of lars sullivan blah and he came out and beat up everybody in the ring um who was in this match he beat up on matt hardy i mean not matt hardy but jeff hardy matt riddle and john morris and and Miz, and it was just so so it was eye rolling to see because quite frankly lars sullivan has turned out in the like since for every run that they have tried to give him in wwe there's always been something personal to try to take him down um he's just a self-destructive person outside of the ring one minute he gets exposed for some unsavory videos he made with somebody then the next minute he gets exposed for being a racist homophobe then the next minute he gets exposed for something else you know and it's just like sir do you want to be successful do you want to be successful and my eyes just rolled in the back of my head because out of all the chances that we give to so many people constantly over and over again you give this dude a chance and I'm just like bruh like can we just hang this dude out to dry and just leave him or just put him in a trash or just just go somewhere else because I was annoyed from seeing him because he's just not that good of a person so but then again this is also coming from the and I don't mean to sound this negative but this is coming from the same company that still tries to make Hulk Hogan happen enough said anyway <laughs> then we had cesaro and shinsuke nakamura versus the new day um in the form of kofi and xavier and this was a really great tag team match you can always expect some of the best tag team matches you'll ever see from these two teams definitely the new day um who were going for their ninth i believe tag team championship and this match was just really good um there were lots of super kicks involved there was all kinds of uppercuts involved from cesaro and we returned from the commercial break to see cesaro dominating kofi kingston 
and but then Kofi Kingston countered with the kick so um, both men could tag their partners and Xavier Woods was on fire and like I said earlier it was so good to see him you know in action after his injury because I have seriously missed him and then um he spiked Nakamura with a DDT for a close two count then Kingston and Cesaro tagged in and then um Cesaro hit a uppercut for a near fall, but then Xavier Woods saved Kofi Kingston from being hit with the Kinshasa by holding Nakamura's leg back. Then Kingston hit the Trouble in Paradise, and then Woods followed up with a flying elbow drop to get the win, and they reclaimed the SmackDown tag team titles. And they celebrated, and then Big E came out and celebrated with his ice because he had been injured, you know, with just a couple of cuts and probably a couple of bruises from his Falls Count Anywhere match with Sheamus. And, huh. Stephanie, you know, came out to announce that Kofi and Xavier Woods were being drafted to Raw as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions and that Big E would remain on SmackDown. And what was so terrible about this was the fact that you could see it on Stephanie's face. She was kind of she knew she was kind of letting letting the wind out of their sails. And what was the worst, most heartbreaking part of it was you heard Xavier say, say Big E's name, you know, after, you know, she announced that they would be going to Raw. He just kept saying, say Big E's name. You didn't say Big E's name. And they were kind of looking heartbroken. And I was looking at the television myself like, why would you break them up? Even though I understand the point as to why they're beefing up Big E to be this single star on his own. And it's great that they didn't have Biggie turn heel on them out of nowhere um, in order to split them up. But I can't sit here and pretend that my heart wasn't broken because the New Day has been a stable for six years. Six years. That is a long time, you know, to be acclimated, you know, to a group of people and to see everything that they've ever done. And depending on how this Friday goes, even though this episode is going, this episode of this podcast is going to be the season finale, I'm definitely going to do a, a bonus episode, which will pay tribute to them, depending on how Friday um, goes with this coming SmackDown. But it was so heartbreaking because they've been through so much together. They've won so much together. It's just, you know, heartbreaking to see them get split up. Then we had Kevin Owens versus Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and... Um, Kevin Owens was trying to get the upper hand on the fiend Bray Wyatt because he came out with his rock star entrance with his head lantern and Kevin Owens just took a lot of punishment before he was able to make a small comeback but then the fiend brought him out of the ring and then hit him with a urinagi and a sister Abigail onto the announce table and then we returned from commercial break to see Bray Wyatt in control. He snapped Kevin Owens' neck and laughed at his pain. And then he set up another sister, Abby. But then um, Kevin Owens broke free and hit a super kick. And it took two more of those super kicks to take him down so he can hit a cannonball in a corner. But it seemed that no matter what Kevin Owens did, the fiend just refused to stay down for long because he's a crazy mystical creature from the night. Um, <laughs> and then... Kevin Owens put him through the announce table with a pop-up powerbomb, but then The Fiend still made it back into the ring before the 10 count. And then he proceeded to grab Kevin Owens with the mandible claw. And then Kevin Owens tried to counter with a stunner, but then it had no impact. And then The Fiend took him down and pinned him with the mandible claw for the win. And SmackDown ended with the lights going out and the lights coming back on. And you saw The Fiend and Alexa Bliss staring at each other on the stage.
So they're still going with that little weird love story, muse, Joker, Harley Quinn kind of thing going on. Yeah, so <laughs> that's pretty much all that happened on SmackDown. And now we're going to go to the conclusion. Okay, so this is the 30th episode, and like I said earlier, this is the season finale of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um, I started this in February, and when I started this, I had the mission of creating a podcasting show that was going to talk about all of the things that I loved about professional wrestling, because sometimes I feel that with social media and with everything that's going on in the world, we have a tendency to harp on the negative. And even in wrestling, sometimes we have a tendency to harp on the things that we don't like, almost to the point to where it almost makes you wonder, do people like anything of what's going on with wrestling? And I just wanted to have a place to talk about the things that I love and I guess tell people about it and help people learn about this crazy world. And since I've started it in February, it's grown so much to the point of where I even wonder how it happened, why it's happening, uh, should it be happening to me, you know, and just whether or not it should be happening. (laughs) And I've talked to so many. I think the most beautiful part about doing this podcast is the fact that it's allowed me to create a family of wrestling fans from all over the world and all over the United States. Um, And even have me talk to different wrestling professionals. And these are people who I never thought I would actually get the chance to talk to, but I have. And it's helped me create a family of other wrestling podcasters and wrestling fans that I just never thought that I would ever have access to, especially during a time in which we're so separated from everyone. And I just can't thank everyone enough. I thank all of my guests who've been on my show. Um, I thank all of the wrestlers who have been on my show. Um just everyone who's been up on my show and a part of it or contributed to it in any way I thank you so much um I thank my higher power for the podcasting family that I've created that have come not to my rescue but have come you know to help me you know whenever I have questions about a certain thing I thank y'all shout out to face beat high heels shout out to jobber tears shout out to old face wrestling shout out to those wrestling girls like to everyone really who every to miranda morales for her miranda show to Derek gamble and his rap and wrestle show like to tyron and his show like everyone the bob culture podcast like thank y'all because y'all actually wanted me to be on y'all shows i can't even imagine like to talk of champions like I can't even I it's hard for me to even put into words the idea that people actually want me on their shows and actually want to come on my show they listen to me and think that I'm worth listening to and I feel like that's been one of the greatest gifts of this year um in a year that's been full of so much craziness 
this has been the greatest gift to me as a fan, but also as a person. It's validating to know that I have a voice that people actually want to hold on to and that people actually value. So I will be back. (laughs) There will be a season two of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And there's going to be more interviews. There's going to be more stories. There's going to be more, of course, analytics of wrestling and all the weekly shows. But for now, I just need to take some time to figure out what the direction of the show is going to be going forward since it's growing so much. And since the year is about to end and there's just so much going on. And I just thank you all for listening to me. I'm just really grateful and I hope that this show can continue to grow and continue to be the best um, chill, positive and passionate show that you can go to whenever you need something to listen to, something to work to, or you want to know what's going on in the wrestling world. I hope that I can continue to be that place. Continue to follow me on social media at Hardy Wrestling Podcast on Instagram and at Hardy WrestlePod on Twitter and just continue to just join the vibe and continue to watch wrestling support wrestling these people are out here giving their lives you know to entertain us so continue to support independent wrestling that's close to you wrestling that's on television whatever promotion you love you know just continue to support it um and also you know continue to buy my t-shirts as well those are twenty dollars um and you can message me if you want one of those too so until next time Thank you. Thank you so much. This is the Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl, Stephanie Hardy. And until next time, stay safe. Be your best self. um, Be a light in the darkness. And so long.